Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, it is my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, friend of the program, and haven't spoken in a while. And it's always great to have Frank Murtaugh. He is, of course, with Memphis Flyer and Memphis Magazine. Frank, good to talk to you again, my friend. Hey, it's great to be with you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yes, as always, uh, we enjoy conversations. Uh, going back to my old AAC show, used to talk a lot of uh, uh, Memphis uh, sports, and uh, we'll kind of lead off with that as well. Uh, I'm curious to, to hear the goings-on the, in the AAC these days. And, Frank, uh, you know, the Memphis Tigers, uh, you know, they're in contention uh, in the conference this season. Uh, give me your, uh, your lowdown on that. You know, it's been a wild season here, Jeff. The, the Tigers are, are are sporting a nice eight and two record, and they're they've got a clash with um, with SMU uh, this weekend. You basically have a uh, what amounts to semifinals coming up in the in the AAC standings with UTSA facing Tulane, um, I believe, next week. But this this clash with with SMU uh, it calls to mind what we went through four years ago with uh, college game day here in town and, you know, 58,000 people packed the Liberty Bowl. Uh, the, the Tigers won a wild high scoring affair and it, it, it arguably is the, the best Saturday in the history of this program. So it, I, I, there are not going to be 50,000 people in, in what we now call Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium come Saturday, but it, it's a, it's a big game um, here in, in mid November. Um, you know, the Tigers, they're they're eight and two. They could easily be five and five, even even you know four and six. Jeff, they've you know it's been an odd season in that they have had you know fortune in their favor. You know they've they've won games that, that honestly Memphis Tiger teams of of days gone by would not have. Uh, that they they gave up a go ahead touchdown at North Texas with less than a minute to play. Gave up fifty points at home to South Florida. Then we're down last week. Uh, you know ten points. At Charlotte, with less than seven, less than eight minutes to play, and they won all three of those games. So, you know, it's you know, you and I, we've heard the expression "better to be lucky than good." That's that's um, sort of in the mix for the Memphis Tigers football program this season. And of course, yeah, and it also seems like uh, you know the last several seasons have come down to you know Memphis and SMU having a big game in the month of November, and this looks like to be the last one for a while with SMU going uh, to the ACC. Uh, in the very near future. So, you know, this uh, this will be a good chance for the Tigers to score one, give them a licking before they got out the door, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it calls to mind what we went through last year, you know, playing Houston and uh, and Cincinnati for the last time, Jeff. And uh, we, we're, we're running out of bandmates, you know. We're running out of, out of dance partners, whatever your, your, your metaphor. Um, Memphis, and I wrote just a few weeks ago about the need for the Tigers to find uh, a, a true rival, you know, that that's part of what makes college football, college football. And, you know, perhaps that's UAB. I, I, I emphasize perhaps that they go way back, but you almost feel like you're taking a step back. If that's going to be um, the long-term um, rivalry that this program so desperately needs. So yeah, for one Saturday, one more Saturday, at least uh, the Mustangs and Tigers with, with a lot on the line, you know, the, the, the Tigers cannot afford a loss to, to, to remain in contention for the, conference championship game SMU is is very much they've got that that showdown with Tulane all but circled so it, it's a huge game it, it'll be a lot of fun yeah and uh, you know where do you where do you put Memphis's opportunities you know conference wise you know moving up you know SMU as we said is moving on 
and of course, uh, you know, they're basically doing it the uh, in a, a very unconventional way. It's all fine with daddy's money, right? Uh, is there is there not going to take payments uh, for seven years? I believe in the in the ACC in order to uh, uh, purchase their way in. Um, what opportunities do you see, you know, uh, Memphis potentially? I know there are, I, I know you've talked a lot in the past on this show about, you know, the need for having proper facilities and things like that. So do you see opportunity on the path for the Tigers? Yeah, I wonder about that, Jeff. I, I think it, it comes down, you know, most significantly to what happens, if anything, to their stadium. They're, they're playing in a stadium more than 50 years old. It's dated. It, it's too large. It's too. I mean, the, the Tigers can have a have a really good atmosphere with with uh, say thirty five, forty thousand fans, and still have the upper rim of the stadium empty. It's just not a good look. So, when and if the stadium is renovated and there's a, there's some some money coming out of of the state out of Nashville that's going to be um, used both for FedEx Forum renovations and the football stadium, how that pie gets sliced up, that's that's beyond my reach, but I'm convinced the stadium is a, is a necessary variable to move in the Tigers' favor for um, the right conference to come along. And you and I know, your, your listeners know, there are going to be four major leagues in college football and then everybody else. So can the Tigers find their way into one of those four major conferences? It's just a, it's a huge question. And it, um, you know, the, the honest, you know, the honest answer is there, there will be haves and have nots and the have nots will still compete. And then there will still be, you know, football games on Saturdays, but it will not be what, what you see in the SEC, ACC, big 10 and big 12. Uh, so th- there, there's a lot at stake. You know, I, I, I'd like to be a fly on the wall of Laird Veach, the Memphis athletic director these days with, with some of the phone calls he's placing. Cause it's, it, it's a big deal. Yeah. And of course, you know, one of the things that, you know, that Memphis does have, you know, I mean, the football program has definitely uh, been a, a good program over the last several years, but you also got a basketball program that is very marquee and has to be attractive to a conference, I think, at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, especially with the star power right now of Penny Hardaway uh, coaching the team, you know, love him, loathe him in between, you know, Penny's a headline grabber and he's, He's getting a, a, a you know a non-conference schedule unlike Memphis has seen in many years, and the Tigers are basically looking to force their way into the discussion uh, when it comes to rankings, when it comes to obviously you know NCAA tournament bursts, and when it comes to the role that the basketball program might play in a larger conference. Uh, you know that it matters. It, it doesn't matter like a, like a football program and the, and the money that football generates. But, um, you know, the, the basketball team, the basketball program, especially as it sits now under Penny Hardaway, is not a negative factor. So, I mean, th- that may be the, the best I can offer, but uh, they, they look to have a, a promising season ahead. I'm still sort of in scout mode, Jeff, trying to figure out who's who. It's, it's essentially an all-star team from last season. That's the way college basketball works now. And mm. uh, to, to try and figure out who's going to play the big roles uh, for this team, as uh, you know, conference play is still you know more than a month away. I, I'll I'll be scouting this team with, with uh, I imagine some some uh, some NBA scouts in the coming weeks. Do they have a lot of transfer portal action? Oh, all kinds, all kinds. You know, J- Javon Quinterly maybe the most significant. Uh, he was the SEC Sixth Man of the Year last year with Alabama. Um, uh, Jordan Jordan Brown from 
um, Louisiana. I'm, I'm stumbling because I got to look at the roster, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> Caleb Mills. Caleb Mills is a significant addition. He, yes. he played with Houston in a Final Four and also at Florida State. So yeah, you, you ban these these disparate parts from different programs, and you know, not having to sit out a, a year at what was Kendrick Davis's team a year ago is, is now obviously not. And uh, we're going to see how this this club comes together. They they looked dynamite in the second half at Missouri last Friday night. They went on a 17-2 run early, and they looked like a team that had been playing together um, for for multiple years. Uh, and it's and it's it's been barely multiple weeks. So uh, um, yeah, it's it, it should be a fun fun winner. Uh, you know, Penny's got to serve one more game in a three game suspension. Uh, some recruiting trouble he got into, but uh, the the Tigers are are they're always entertaining this type of year. Yeah. This time of year. Yeah, you know, we're going through the same thing at UCF for the basket. You know, you there's basically ten new players. So, and I think a lot of teams are going through this now, other than maybe your 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 top, you know, six or seven teams in the country, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's something that the NCAA has to figure out, Jeff, or, or you know, the the conferences, the schools themselves. It's um, and, and I don't know what the answer is. You know, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, um, and and you know, athletes can you know, transfer basically on a whim and play immediately, this is the result. And maybe, you know, guys like you and I who have been around uh, a a few uh, basketball seasons are just going to have to readjust the way we view a team. And it it really just, it is, um, you know, one season at a time, quite literally. And you're not going to see, you know, 12 months from now, Javon Quinterly will not be a Memphis Tiger. Um, But what can he do this season? And, And that's, that's what I, as a, as a journalist, I'm going to be trying to figure out in the coming weeks. It's kind of like it's it's you know learning on the fly. I feel like I'm on a on a treadmill or something, trying to figure out what this uh, what this team might be and uh, and and provide um, intelligent analysis. But but that that'll come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, you know, because like the you know the portal affects basketball way more than football. You know, football Absolutely. you will certainly have a certain amount of attrition, but you still have you know, a large majority of your core guys, uh, you know, staying at least multiple seasons. Uh, and But now in, in, in college hoops, yeah, you could basically, you know, spin the revolving door and, and here's your next uh, 11 guys uh, that uh, come through. So it's... It, it's crazy. Yeah, the rosters are just so small. And and you know that, that you know, with football, you need to have, you know, a minimum of, of 22 guys and usually it's 44 playing well to have a good season in basketball you get seven or eight, you know, solid rotation players, you can do some damage in March. And so when you're bringing in as many as nine or 10 or 11 transfers, do the math. Those are, those are all brand new faces and, and uh, you know, new, new personalities that a coach has to, has to manage. I, I, I need to have a conversation when we when we're able to sit down with Penny and, and ask him what, you know, how coaching has changed, you know, just in the in the five now six years he's been with Memphis because it's a different game. It's a different game for every coach in America since the the transfer portal became a reality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's switch gears back to college football for a second. Wanted to kind of get your take on the Michigan cheating scandal that's uh, going on there. The uh, uh, you know the length and the breadth of uh, the level of effort they went to uh, for stealing signs and things like that. Uh, what is your uh, what is your take on all that? Yeah, I um, I tend to roll my eyes, Jeff, with these kinds of scandals because uh, you know I you know, stealing signs 
it, we talk we talk about stealing signs more in baseball and football, but right. it's been going on forever and 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 will not stop with Jim Har- Harbaugh's suspension, wrist slap, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there are so many signals being <laughs> being given for every single play in a football game for, from every level, you know, from the NFL down to high school, middle school, whatever. These these signs that, that programs are holding up with NHL logos and, you know, profiles of pop stars, that, that <laughs> the, the signs and the no signs. And uh, yeah, the reason that's going on is because every team knows that every other team is watching and particularly with with film and, and, and tape and digital technology. So trying to 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 select you know a a villain in the mix who who's gone a little too far you know and and you know we know what happened with the Houston Astros and their their 2017 scandal it just seems to me like um you know i like everybody's dirty but you know we're going to make um coach Harbaugh an example I, it sounds like that his assistant i, I don't i I'm drawing a blank on the man's name who coordinated this, but uh, he was a little egregious in, uh, as you as you noted, the uh, the, uh, the the planning, the, the planning of the of the of the screen grabs and what have you to 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 figure out, you know, his upcoming opponents' uh, signals. But beyond that, uh, you know, if you're going to start punishing sign stealing or the attempt to steal signs. The NCAA is not going to have time for anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has been going on a very, very long time. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, the best thing I've heard all along is, well, you know, if we did the NFL thing and uh, had the radio communication, that ends that, right? No, it's a good point. It's a good point, Jeff. And there are ways now with technology and, you know, the, the uh, the microphones that can be worn in helmets, uh, you, you can do away with some, with much of this, and, and that that probably is what will happen over the course of the next five ten years. Uh, you know, technology is moving faster than football, and and, and faster than than uh, the, the brains of most coaches, I believe. So yeah, yeah, there'll be some catching up. Yeah, and then uh, of course you know it's interesting now because it used to be the the big uh, coaching firing Black Monday used to happen at the end of the season. Now it seems to have creeped up into mid-November. I guess people wanting teams wanting to get ahead of the curve. Uh, you know, we're starting to you know see firings and rumblings of firings and things like that. And you look at what Jimbo Fisher is going to get. What seventy-seven million dollars uh, from Texas is as his buyout, and which you know was ludicrous to begin with. And and I have a theory on on this, and maybe maybe somehow we can find a way to take hold on this. You know, with these buyouts, it should be mandated that the coaches have to give 80% to charitable organizations, right? And and, the, and then they can keep 20%, you know, for, for themselves. Because the amount of money that they're paying guys to get rid of them is just insane. Yeah, Jeff, I, I love that idea. And and I'm going to steal it. I, I'll, well, I won't steal it. I'll, I'll quote you and share it. But I, I intend to to share that, uh, that thought it's, it's absurd. It's offensive. You can choose all kinds of adjectives. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a version of reality, you know, journalists, uh, bankers, firemen, um, you know, the the people who, who, who have middle-class jobs, uh, the idea of walking away with even a fraction of their salary, um, is, you know, is beyond the realm of normal for, 
a college football coach, and, and let, let's put in bold and italics, a college football coach to walk away with $76 million from an employer who no longer wants his services. That's just, it, it's mocking. It's mocking the very idea of, uh, of labor and capitalism. So yeah, yeah, it's, I love the idea of, of such a buyout being turned into something that's productive for the community, where the coach is departing, not where he may choose to go. Uh, there need to be some stipulations around it. Um, but yeah, it's absurd. As far as the timing, I've been uncomfortable with, with college football, um, you know, the coaching carousel for years. You, and, it, and it's also, it also happens at the other end where a coach is very successful. It's happened twice here in Memphis where you've had a coach uh, take the team, you know, to a, uh, you know, top 25 to a bowl game, but you know, it's, it's quite apparent in the last two or three weeks of the season that he is being courted by other programs and, you know, Justin Puente and Mike Norvell moved on to, to greener pastures and it, it makes it uncomfortable um, covering the team. It makes it uncomfortable analyzing what the team will be able to do on game day what, what kind of decisions the coaches are making for the next opponent, because you, you realize that the top, you know, decision right now is, you know, where they're going to be living in their next destination. It's awkward, but um, <laughs> nothing more awkward as you've emphasized than these multi-million dollar buyouts that are written into these contracts. I, I got to figure out a way to do it with a, with a media company. If I can, <laughs> I'll share it with you, <laughs> but, but no one's listening to me yet. Let me tell you. <laughs> You know, yeah, no, because like, you know, a lot of everyday Joes, you know, you might get a little severance, but it's, it, it ain't, right. it, it, you know, it gets you by for a couple months, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it is, it is insane. So, so one of the things that, that you and I share in common, common are being Dallas Cowboys apologists, uh, <laughs> or long suffering, whichever term you, you, you choose to use. So, what do you make of the Cowboys season? Six and three, they've had a lot of, uh, rumps in which they've won, but they have not beaten anybody of real substance. And yeah, to me, it's like, I can't really buy in until that happens. Right. Is there any way we can arrange to play the giants in the playoffs, regardless of what their record is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what well, the, the Cowboys have proven that they are much better than the New York football giants. Um, I'm, I'm like you, I, it feels like Jeff, a, a typical Dak Prescott era Cowboys team that they're going to, win 11, maybe 12 games, um, might might take a playoff game, but are they in the category of the Eagles or 49ers? Uh, not quite yet. Um, you know, you look at that that next, that, that Eagles game on December 10th in Dallas, um, that's that's hugely significant. The, the Cowboys almost need to, need to um, you know, win out to contend for the, the division and with it, that precious buy that one team now gets um, in each conference. And if the Cowboys can play at home in the playoffs, this club looks like it could do something. I, I um, you know, no Trevon Diggs, no, no Leighton Vander Esch now. You hope that defense uh, holds up with the attrition, but uh, they're scoring points. CD Lamb's having an all pro season. Uh, if Dak stays healthy, you know, they could do some damage. I, I'm like you, show me, you know, the, the old Missouri line, show me. Yep. Yep. We'll just have to have to see as the season unfolds. Yeah, it's 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 just one of those things because yeah, I kind of look at that 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 Eagles rematch as a must win situation. Um, you know, even if it's not to win the division or put themselves in a position to win a division, they they've got to prove it beyond what they've proven so far. Right. Yeah, and I I'm looking at the schedule now. I don't see you know they they play at Miami in late December, Christmas Eve. 
there aren't there's not another game where where the Cowboys will be able to say, all right, we checked that box. We're among the the upper tier of of the National Football League. They're um you know they're they're pretenders until they they prove otherwise. And uh, uh, but you know what I I you know, I I guess that that's leaning negative and and to be be more positive, you know, Dak Prescott's up near the top of the league and completion percentage passer rating he's doing he's doing winning things uh which an nfl team has to have from its quarterback so Mm -hmm. let's hope he stays healthy and um uh, um, that yeah as you say that december 10th date may prove pivotal yeah and of course they've won 12 in a row at home so you as you said if they can kind of get get some home field in the playoffs that could uh that could definitely prove in their favor and of course you know it would be interesting you know you look at you know josh allen now leading the league in interceptions if that was Dak Prescott, you know, he'd be getting lit up on all the, the talking head shows. You don't have the same thing with Josh Allen, right? It's, it, it. it's a really good point, Jeff. And I think that goes with, with being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys and wh- whatever you want to say about the, the pop culture place the Cowboys occupy in, in, in America, you know, since the infamous, you know, highlight film America's team way back in the late seventies, uh, Tony Romo took his, you know, his share of grief. Some he earned. Uh, he was a very good quarterback for a decade. Uh, won games that the Cowboys should not have won. I think Dallas had better records than they would have had you subtracted Tony Romo. Oh yeah. So you know, he, he, they just they weren't talent laden rosters. Um, Prescott's in a similar place now. I, I do think he has a better roster around him, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, than Romo knew. But yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're right on, yeah, John. The Josh Allen um, bar is, is is higher when it comes to criticism than, than it is for Dak Prescott. Uh, but you know, uh, I don't think Dak Prescott would, would would trade places with him. And um, you know, we'll we'll just have to see. I, I think the Dak Prescott story is still being told. I, I remain optimistic. Yeah, and and you, at the very least, you can say you know he handles everything very much with class and dignity. That that you know because. You know he hears some of it, right? It's it's yeah. impossible not to. Right, right. Well, you know he's wearing that that Walter Payton Award, um, you know, logo on his jersey the rest of his career, and that that puts him in a place that's that's uh, distinctive, uh, not just from the football side of things, but from the human being side of things. So I, there, there's a lot to be uh, uh, to be happy about if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan with their quarterback. You know, can can their offensive line stay healthy? Can they you know balance the run pass game? You know, is Tony Pollard a uh, you know, uh, uh, an every down tailback. Uh, these are the questions that are going to ha- have to be answered if if they're going to you know close the gap with Super Bowl contenders. But but they seem to be getting there. You know, and, and for much of the Jerry Jones era, I, I cannot say that. But the Cowboys seem to be taking the right right steps these days. Yeah, definitely. And of course, it's always I always harken back to the Bill Parcells line. Tell me what team I have at Thanksgiving, right? That's really where, where it comes down to. No, no question. And we're right there. It's unreal that Thanksgiving is, what, what a week from Thursday. That's- yes. <laughs> yes, hard to believe. It does It does happen quickly. So I was going to ask you something. I didn't put this on our topic list, but uh, I'm sure you would. Uh, you have an opinion on it. Uh, Joshua Dobbs. You you know former Tennessee quarterback, and you look at what he what he has done this season. You know, I mean, when he was filling in for Kyler Murray with Arizona, you know, they were maybe a player two from starting the season three and one, actually. And then, you know, he gets traded to the Vikings. First week there, the the starter goes down like immediately in the first quarter. 
Joshua Dobbs doesn't know the playbook. He doesn't know half the players. And you look what he does to win that game one, miraculous. Then he comes back and does it again in week two. So now he's got more knowledge of the offense. He thinks like that. If anybody has more heart than Joshua Dobbs in the NFL, somebody has to tell me who that is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great story, Jeff. You know, I, I was uh, I was born in Knoxville, son of, of UT alumni, so I, I pay attention to Tennessee quarterbacks, and and I was happy to see you know Dobbs just just make it into the NFL, just just get a chance because it's it's not a given, it's not a given with uh, with his background and, and credentials, but he's making the most of it, and yeah, I. It, it baffles me how anyone moves in mid-season, uh, particularly at the quarterback position, and uh, and find success. In part from what we're talking about with all the sign stealing and the different, you know, the different schemes and 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 play charts that every team has. But uh, yeah, Josh Dobbs is a guy worth rooting for. There, there's no question. Um, he's uh, there haven't been a whole lot of of Tennessee quarterbacks since uh, one Peyton Manning to make an imprint on the NFL, but, but Dobbs seems to be on that way. Yeah. You know, he's been a long time journey. I think he's been what, uh, five teams since like late last season, five yeah, teams, yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a testimony and a great feel good story. And, you know, I, I hope it continues for him. I think that's uh yeah, it is. And, it, and it's rare, you know, the, the, the quarterbacks that, that they, they're blue bloods, you know, the Joe Burrows come out and they're just, you know, they're going to be successful. Trevor Lawrence, you know, stumbled a little bit, but he's a, he's going to be a dynamite player with Jacksonville. It's nice to see a Josh Dobbs who was not on the radar of all the talking heads. I mean, and you and I are two of them, but you know, 24 hours a day, there are folks talking quarterbacks on television and radio and not many of them have brought up the name Josh Dobbs until the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, being a big baseball fan, I uh, wanted to get your take on uh, this past uh, baseball season. I was, you know, I personally liked the Texas-Arizona matchup of the World Series. I know maybe the networks weren't thrilled with that, but, uh, uh, you know, I look at the last season, I look at, you know, uh, the the Rangers winning a World Series, and, you know, and it's just also a, t- a great testimony to, you know, the, the, the great managerial genius of Bruce, Bruce Bochy. Yeah, no question. Uh, Bochi, ironically enough, and I've, I've shared this on social media numerous times, it astounds me, Jeff, that Bochi to this day has a losing record by just a few games over the course of his regular season career. This is, we're talking going back 20 plus years. He's lost more games than he's won. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame the first year he's on the ballot because when he gets into the playoffs, he he wins World Series. Um you know, it's a remarkable story. I, um, the Rangers, um, they peaked at the right time. I, I think, you know, you want one of my big picture thoughts for baseball and in this past postseason, as fun as it was, baseball's got to figure out a way not to penalize the top teams in each league by giving them essentially a week off. This is not an advantage. No. Uh, t- teams like the Braves, the Orioles, f- to sit for four or five days and then have to play a team that is coming off the high of winning a best of three series, that's no advantage to a baseball team. Forget, you know, you know, home field. Uh, so this is a serious problem baseball needs to address. Um, I'm not saying I don't enjoy, you know, a, a Cinderella like the Arizona Diamondbacks, you know, rising and getting into the uh, the fall classic, but you go out, you win a hundred games. Um, it, it, it shouldn't, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be fighting uphill 
um, to get into just your league championship. And that's what I've seen over the last two years now uh, with this, with this buy for uh, the top two teams in each league. I think it needs to be addressed. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. And it's a, it's a hard question to answer, um, you know, because, you know, the other, the other part of it was we had a one card, one game wild card, and that's not really attractive either. So, you know, how, how do you come up with, how do you come up with that scenario where, you know, I mean, do you give the, the, you know, the, the team, the top seeded team four four straight games at home. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I know I'm talking crazy there, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a difficult situation and, you know, Baseball now has evolved into uh, who's playing hot at the right time. You're absolutely right, and and that's that's the point of it all. I mean, a, a team let let's say a a, a team in, in one of those top two seeds. I hate that we're even using the word seed in baseball, but one of those top two seeds wins their last five games of the regular season, and then is forced to sit for for four minimum four days, maybe five. That's the way you stop momentum in a in a, in a for a baseball team, baseball is an everyday game. We're not talking football week to week and, and licking your wounds and getting ready to, to just take the field the following week. Baseball is a game of rhythm, timing, and you, you've got to be out there every day. So to just put the brakes on abruptly uh, for the best teams in the sport when the postseason begins, it's it's not working. And, um, yeah, I, I've got to continue to brainstorm my solutions. And when – the commissioner's office finally answers my my phone calls. <laughs> I will <laughs> I'll put these in place. But I, I can say almost unequivocally that right now what we have isn't quite right because it's it's just not benefiting the teams that play best over six months, 162 games, and we, we want to get to a place where the teams that do uh, perform so well for so long are rewarded. Yeah, I mean, my Braves won 88. They did win their division, but they won 88 the year that they, they won the World Series. And right. then they won 100 right. twice and right. were sent home. So it's, uh, you know, something just occurred to me. You know, maybe maybe it's a wild card best of three. The first day is a doubleheader. You got to play two. There you go. There you go. Yeah, whatever it takes to get the, the best teams on the field as, as soon as you can. Yeah. Uh, it, that's got to come up. I yeah. like it. Yeah, play two. I love double headers too. Yeah, you can you can empty the stadium. You know, sell have two gates, but uh, yeah, have them play two games. Yeah, and then and then if a third game is needed, you play it the next day. And there you go, and Jeff. You, you've got two endorsements from me today in one conversation. <laughs> <Just gonna win>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a worth the bell ring. <laughs> there you go. So uh, tough season. I know you're a diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan. It was a very very tough season. Um, What's next? What? How do? How do they recover from this? Yeah, man, that that's the that's the question, Jeff. You, we often hear about a a, a team uh, winning the press conference, attempting to, to win the press conference. The Cardinals almost need to win the off season uh, for them to be in a place next April where there's not intense pressure um, up in the front office with with John Mozeliak and and down in the manager's office, Ali Marmol. Um, they they've got to find pitching. But not just that; it's not the pieces that are that are missing, but the uh, the pieces that they have on the roster that they're expecting to be central. Uh, you know, guys that are are getting up there in age. Paul Goldschmidt, to some degree, Nolan Arenado. Are they going to move aside and allow the young talent, guys like Mason Wynn and, and Nolan Gorman, uh, Jordan Walker? It's it's their franchise now, honestly, Jeff. And uh, how is that dynamic going to unfold? I think you've got both internal and external issues with the Cardinals. 
um, to be addressed in the coming months. And you know what? That's that's what happens to teams that finish in last place and lose 91 games. So it's it's been a long time since the Cardinals have been in this this place with a lot of mirror gazing, I would call it. But uh, that's where they are now. And um, I, I would expect, you know, if you and I reconvene in a few weeks, we'll be talking about some significant moves, uh, um, at, at least significant in John Mosaic's eyes, um, to, to, to change what happened in 2023. Yeah, and I know you chronicled on Twitter quite a bit the uh, the struggles that Adam Wainwright had towards the end of the season, trying to reach a milestone. Um, oh, boy. And, you know, that, you know it, sometimes that was a little tough to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was it was painful literally and figuratively, uh, you know, for you know, I I go back to Adam Wainwright's time here in Memphis with the Triple A Redbirds in 2004 and 2005. So we're talking two decades of watching uh, this young man grow into a into a, you know, a stellar uh, a star, if not a superstar with the Cardinals. Uh, integral role in winning a World Series when he was just a kid, 2006 to 2023 where he could he could barely, according to to Wainwright himself, he would not have been able to throw a baseball for another start after winning that 200th game in an epic uh, outing against the Brewers. I'm glad he got that number. It, it clearly meant a lot to him, a lot to the Cardinals following, especially when the season went off the rails. But uh, the, it, it makes for awkward viewing. It, you and I have seen you know countless athletes pick your sport where they just go one year too long, and and no one wants to see that. Um, I was really happy that Adam walked off the mound at, at Bush Stadium for the last time, uh, a, a winner, not, not quite officially a winner yet, needed some relief help that night. But it was a, it was a big night and uh, the right kind of send off for a, for a class act. Yeah. You know, and I also look at, you know, uh, I think there was a significant impact of, you know, no longer having Yadier Molina, uh, you know, as, 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 as a everyday baseball player for the, for the Cardinals. Do you think, Coaching and managing is in his future at all, Jeff. Yeah, I uh, first part of your your comment. Uh, I don't think any of us, and including I'm not sure many people watch the Cardinals as closely as as I do. It's it's unhealthy, but could have anticipated how significant his absence would be. Uh, the, the just the collapse, the the the, the franchise wide collapse. We're not, I'm not going to attribute all of that to one one man, one player not being around. But Yadier Molina's impact on that team was more than what we saw when he was behind the plate or at, at or, or batting. It w- he was a, a cultural impact he made in the clubhouse all the way up to the owner's office, I'm convinced. so uh, Heart and soul of the team, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, I, think, I think beyond that, heart, soul, spirit, uh, um, just the uh, – yeah, yeah, I, I, I run out of, of, uh, of metaphors for him. But coaching, managing of some kind, absolutely – I have a hard time envisioning him being an assistant, Jeff. You know, knowing Yadier Molina, knowing the take charge kind of athlete he was. When I when I read about the possibilities of him returning to the Cardinals in the coaching capacity and having to answer to Ali Marmol, a man who happens to be younger than him, I have a hard time doing that math. Um, <laughs> you know, Yadier being a manager and and ruffling the feathers of of not only players, media, but maybe fans too. You know, if, if the right franchise, and it can only be the St. Louis Cardinals, the, the right franchise, if the Cardinals can stomach that, I think Yadier Molina can have a lot of success as a big league manager. He, it would be different than most that we see here in the 21st century with, you know, cameras and, and recorders and 
and what have you in their in you know their faces every day. It would be different for Yachty because he's he he won't he won't tolerate that. But um, if he could figure out a way to be uh, the face of the franchise as a manager, I think uh, the Cardinals could have a lot of success. Yeah, it's a huge right now, obviously with Ali Marmol still you know John Mosaic's guy. Yeah, um, and where do you stand on on him? As far as as far as a fan is is concerned, yeah, I I I think Marmol's in over his head. I think Ollie Marmol might be a good manager ten years from now, he, when he would still be forty seven years old, younger than I am today. Um, I think he had some more uh, teeth cutting to do uh, to become the manager he might be. Um, there was there were in game decisions I didn't like last season. Uh, there are there's you know there was you know there were media remarks made early in the season and late that, that I would not have endorsed. Um, I can't say I'm an Ollie Marmol guy right now. Um, you know, it's, it's awkward. It's, it's, uh, this is a franchise that, you know, you're talking about going back 40 years. It's really just been Whitey Herzog, Joe Torre, Tony La Russa, Hall of Famers, and Mike Matheny, even Mike Matheny got to the world series following those four. You've got um, what amounts to a, a managing kid and, Right now, I think he's in a little over his head. Yeah, and I think you know the way they handled the Contreras situation early in the season was kind of like a uh, a sign of things to come, maybe. Right? <laughs> that was abominable, and it, it man, that that's it, it's such a microcosm of of Yadier's absence, Molina's absence. Uh, the fact that it was the catcher, the man who's you know literally succeeding Molina behind the plate, to be at the center of a firestorm early in the year you know, pitchers griping about him and, and the manager not getting in the way of that. You know, that, that's Marmol's job to make sure nobody, no, that, that you and I, that Jeff Allen and Frank Murtaugh don't hear about Jack Flaherty or Miles Michaelis griping about the way Wilson Contreras is framing pitches. That would not have gone on with Yadier Molina behind the plate. There, there may have been pitchers who complained about the way Molina caught over his 20 years with the Cardinals, but number one, you didn't hear about it. And number two, the guy didn't last very long with the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, something to be said for that, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Frank, I always enjoy our, our visits, and uh, I would like to turn the floor over to you to do some shameless plugs for the work that you do. Oh, well, sure. You can find my, my columns on the Tigers at memphisflyer.com, memphismagazine.com. I'm the managing editor there, so uh, other other forms of writing and my novel, uh, Trace Company, is out there. It's, it's holidays are approaching, and, and books make good gifts. So hop on Amazon and, and uh, look for Trace Company. It's a coming of age story, along the lines of The Sandlot or or Stand by Me. So it's uh, it, it's a good read. I'd like to think, and I, I hope some of your listeners might give it a shot. Outstanding as always, Frank. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Always great talking to you. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Self is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.